Our first scripture reading for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul writes, When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so do not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, brothers and sisters, today we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And before we do, I just want to say how great it is that we have the opportunity to worship together. And, and I encourage you, I know that a lot of you are watching in, in offices, in your homes, in living rooms, in all those places, but I want to encourage you uh, to do your best to participate as much as you can. And as we, as we put our time and effort into, uh, into worshiping our God, we know, we know the fruits that that bears, that as we place ourselves in a place where we're speaking God's word and singing God's word, that God continues to speak, to speak to us through it, through his living word. And he continues to allow us to see things more clearly. And that's really what we're focusing on during this entire series of clear vision. So we have the opportunity to see things God's way and to see things from God's perspective. And so in that, brothers and sisters, let me remind you of the way that God sees you. First and foremost, that you are loved by God. And so grace and peace are yours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, now let's get more specific to this text here from 1 Corinthians 9, because 1 Corinthians 9 is one that's probably familiar to a lot of you as the Apostle Paul talks about becoming all things to all people. And I want you to think about what that means, what it means to, to truly know somebody enough that you'd even be able to become like them in some way uh, so that you can minister the gospel to them. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, well, even just about other people's jobs? I mean, you're probably pretty comfortable in your job or if you, if you used to work, if you're now retired, you're, you're comfortable in the job that you used to have. And you start to think about all the things that you do as part of that job or all the things that you did as part of that job. And then I want you to imagine that you're all of a sudden put in another position and you have to do somebody else's job. I mean, imagine that you're a surgeon. Now think about that for a second. Think about, well, as I do, all that could go wrong. 
I can't even imagine the things that a surgeon does. Or, or here's another one that always blows my mind. A, a construction worker, specifically one that builds like roads and bridges. Um, I've been in a couple of cities while they were building like major, major overpasses, these kind of stacked freeways. And you think at some point, one guy has to go there with a bulldozer and start the construction project. One person has to turn a shovel and say, this is where this one pillar is going to go. And it all has to match up. That's not the way my mind works. And so to me, that job seems almost impossible. Or any number of jobs. I mean, we could just keep going down the list. You could even think of the task of being a parent, for those of you that are parents. And I remember when we had our first child. I remember a couple of weeks into it, just looking at my wife, Kate, and saying, we have to care for this child the rest of her life. No one's coming to help. And maybe I'm thinking about that because it's my daughter's 18th birthday this week. But I realized at the time that this task in front of me seemed monumental. What, what's it for you that impresses you? Somebody else's job? Something that reminds you you don't know what everybody else does and you don't know what everybody else goes through. And I want you to take that and I want you to pivot on it just a little bit. I want you to transition just a little bit because if we have a hard time imagining what other people do at work, what about what other people are going through? And is it possible, or maybe even, even probable, that we make assumptions about people and maybe turn them into caricatures of who they really are? You see, if we're, going to, if we're going to allow ourselves to become all things to all people, if we're going to allow ourselves to be in a place where we see others differently, it means first and foremost we have to admit that we don't know everything about other people. And so we're going to have to get to know others we have to get to know people who are different than us. And that means that we're going to have to open up our ears and listen and our eyes to see. The Apostle Paul talks about doing this in 1 Corinthians 9. In fact, this is what 1 Corinthians 9 is all about, that he sees and knows the people that are around him. And this is actually what Paul does throughout his ministry. He pays attention to other people. He does this quite a bit in the New Testament. One of the places that's the most obvious is in Acts chapter 17. At Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is visiting Athens, that great city of Greece. And he has some time between the time that he arrives and the time that he speaks. And during that time, he goes out and tours the city and takes in its culture and begins to understand it a little bit. So that when it's time for him to speak, he does so at a place called the Areopagus, which in English is Mars Hill. Right? And there at Mars Hill, Paul begins to speak to the people who are gathered. And they're there speaking the latest ideas. And that's what Paul does. He wades into that place of discussion. And he begins by, by saying, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. Now think about that for a second. I see that in every way you're very religious. But the people who were there and the things that he had seen were not of the Christian God. That's important. I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully, I looked at your objects of worship. And I even found one with an inscription to an unknown God. Right away, the people who are there take notice. Paul isn't just barging in and saying, I know what's best, I know what you are, I know what you need. But Paul has taken time to get to know them. And as he's taken time wandering about the city, he's, he's noticed this pattern developing, that there are very religious people, that they're seeking, they're seeking God and they're trying to understand who God is. And then he says, look, I, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. And Paul saw in that an open door, an opportunity to minister the gospel. 
And so what does he say? So you're ignorant of the very thing you, you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. What you long for, what you yearn for, I know this thing. I know it because it's been revealed to me. That's what Paul says to them. And so by his actions, he shows that he knows them. And by his, his paying attention and careful attention to what they are doing, he shows that he cares for them and he's interested in them and they sense it. And it gives Paul an open door to speak the gospel to them, to proclaim the God who would otherwise be unknown unless he was revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 9 is all about. That's what we're instructed to be when Paul says become all things to all people. We're instructed to be ones who see other people, who see the other. And to see them differently. And to understand with a curious and cared, caring heart what they're going through. Paul says that he even takes on the walk of another person. He says that he becomes like a Jew when he's with the Jews. It says that he's like one who's under the law when he sees those who are under the law. He acts as one who is free when there are those who are free from the law. And he speaks into each one of these situations. I became like the Jews when I was with the Jews, like the Gentiles when I was with the Gentiles. I became like the weak when I was with the weak. And in each of those situations, he's very specific. And I did it for the sake of the gospel. In order to be each of those things, he has to first understand who they are. He has to first care about them. And we see here this example of loving another person and of caring for the other, and of doing it for the sake of the gospel. And so what stops us from doing this? Right? What, what is the thing? I mean, this seems intuitive, doesn't it? It seems like we should want to do this. It seems like it's something that we should strive for every day, but we know that that's not who we are. So, so why don't we do this? Not only why don't we do this in order to care for other people just as, as human beings, but why don't we do this for the sake of the gospel? boils down to fear. To fear. To not trusting God at his word. To not trusting that, that I can care for someone else and I can, I can see someone else for what they are and I can respect them for who they are and I can view the world just for a brief moment through their point of view in order that the gospel might, might come alive. But instead, we look at other people through eyes of fear. We're afraid of what might happen if we get close to them. We're afraid what might happen, that somehow we're going to be seen as condoning a way of life that's not ours. And that's where this example from the Apostle Paul, the example from the Areopagus, from Mars Hill, becomes a great example for us to follow of how we can get to know each other and maybe even by getting to know them that we can have an opportunity to share the life-giving and life-saving message of forgiveness in Jesus Christ alone. And so I want you to walk with me through some of the things that we learn from this, this pattern that we can take to heart. The first thing that we notice, first of all, is that Paul has confidence in what he believes. Right? Understand that. Paul has confidence in what he believes. And we also are meant to be confident of what we believe. And when we're sure of what we believe, we will see, first of all, the parts that are different in others' lives. They'll become very clear to us, the things that are, are different, in some ways maybe even lacking. And then we aren't afraid of another's point of view. We're not afraid because we know what we believe. And sometimes when we live in fear, we're afraid that 
conversations with other people and, and interacting with them and spending time with them and getting to know them and befriending them, that somehow that's going to change us. Okay, it might, it might change us and maybe it should change us, but not in the things that we believe. Not in the, the core of the Christian message that we can be confident in that and confident that it will stand up to the winds of resistance, confident that it will sustain us through these moments as well. Our belief system is strong. And now, also don't misunderstand me, you don't have to have your whole belief system worked out in order to care for somebody else, because you can also have confidence in the community of faith of which you are a part. Confident that there are are others in this community of faith who will walk with you even as you walk with others. What a great blessing that is for us. So first of all, as we care for others, we begin by being confident in what we know and what we believe. That's what the Apostle Paul does. The second thing is observation. And observation is so important. Don't assume that you know everything about somebody else. Don't caricature or stereotype. You don't like it when people do that to you, do you? You don't like it when someone just enters into a room or enters into your life and assumes they know everything about you. It takes time. It takes observation. It takes time to get to know someone else's walk, to get to know what they've gone through, and to get to know some of the challenges that they've faced, and not only challenges, but some of the celebrations that they've had as well, and why those things are so important to them. It starts by paying attention, being genuinely interested in other people, and of doing that because you know that it builds trust, and that in those moments they might even open up more to you and reveal things that they hadn't shared with other people. And what a blessing that is. That's what observation does. It's the second thing we learn from the Apostle Paul. Next thing is respect, right? Respect. Trust is confirmed when you act toward another with respect. Again, you know that to be true. When When you share something with someone, when you share a part of yourself with someone else, there's a sacred trust there. Because now you know something that that could potentially hurt someone else and you don't want to be in a position where you do that, where you damage someone else's trust. And so so it's so important that you act with integrity with that, that you keep the secrets that you've been told, that you care for them in a way that you lovingly respect and honor their point of view, even if their point of view is different than yours. Even if you believe that their their point of view is, is wrong, they've arrived at it for a reason. Observation helps us to understand it, and then we are to respect it and to validate their trust. And remember that respect is shown in word and deed. Again, the Apostle Paul does that. Right? He, he respects them. He says, I, I see that in every way you're very religious. Well, I want to declare to you what you see, and I want to tell you about that which you yearn for. That's the next part of this. It's creative application. Be creative Be creative in the way that you apply God's word to a given situation. Sometimes you've heard the expression, right, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And we assume that that one statement fits all. And that I can just go to someone and declare to them, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and they will then receive that word and believe it. But sometimes it takes more creative application. And to understand that, that in this book, there is much to be said about God and about ourselves, about who we are as human beings. And so as we speak to others, we do so with the very words of God, recognizing that as we speak into a situation, we're going to speak God's words first. 
We're going to apply them to the situation. We're going to trust that God the Holy Spirit will work in us to do these things. And understand that that word creative is a word that I'm using deliberately because it's the opposite of being offensive. It's not seeking to to destroy someone or to beat them down. It's It's not going at someone with a closed fist but with an open hand inviting them into the, into the picture that God is painting, inviting them into the story that God is telling, and trusting in God's Holy Spirit, trusting in God's Holy Spirit to guide us through this. It's even saying, let me use your example. Let me share with you what I hear you saying. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does, by the way, not only in Mars Hill, but other places as well, where he says, look, if this is what you believe, then this is the end. And so let me speak to you about this and and share a word of hope. And see, that last part, sharing a word of hope, comes when we reveal Jesus. That's the most important part of this. Revealing Jesus. Don't be afraid to speak of Jesus. Don't forget that that's the reason why God is calling us into others' lives, to reveal Jesus to them. So don't be afraid. And by the way, use the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when you speak that name to others, when you speak of God's great love shown in Jesus, you begin to see God's transformative work. I knew a young woman who's an outstanding example of Christian faith and of witness her name is Elizabeth Oliver. One of the things that she said, and she would tell others this too, is break the ice early in conversations about Jesus. Let them know that this is who you are. And maybe you say, all right, but there's someone I want to minister to, but I'm long past that. That's okay. Maybe now is the time. To begin to let them know that, that Jesus Christ has transformed your life. That you've been a redeemed child of God. And as you have that chance, you can say to someone else, and I want you to know this same truth and this same hope. And that we can share this in a creative way as we share the love of God in Jesus. Make sure that when we're doing that, make sure that when we're doing that, that we're not causing offense. Even though we know that sometimes the name of Jesus might cause offense. And so we go at that, that opportunity with love with care, with respect, with creativity. We, we go at it recognizing that God's calling us to love the other, to love our neighbor, and to therefore proclaim his, his gifts in Jesus Christ, and to proclaim hope. Now, listen, I hope that this excites you. I, I hope that this word that I'm speaking right now doesn't, doesn't cause you to fear, to have a heavy heart, but the opposite. That's what it does for me. And I want to ensure you of this. The more you share the love of God in Jesus, the more you see God at work, the more it transforms your own faith and builds confidence in what God is doing in this world. Builds confidence and allows you to see more clearly as others come to faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith compels us to do this. And so, as the Apostle Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. That means it's going to be hard work even though it's not necessarily hard work as in physical labor. It's going to be hard work. It's going to to cause you to stretch and to groan. It's It's going to be a place where you find yourself pushed and pulled. But this text serves as a reminder, as though we needed a reminder, that when we do this, we are doing nothing more than what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, we, we were first the other. We were first the ones who were on the outside by our sin. But God has sought us. 
He has made himself like us in every way except one notable one without sin. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Like us in every way, yet without sin. Because he could sympathize with us in our weakness. He could creatively apply his gospel to our lives. Speaking the words that cut us to the core, that expose our sin, and then allowing us in those moments the wonderful words of forgiveness. You see, that's what God has done for us because he alone is the Savior. He alone is our Savior. He alone is the Savior of the world. There is no other name, not you and not me, not anyone. And that's the message that we have the privilege of declaring. We declare it to others because God loves the other. And he allows us to have, to have clear vision, to do the same in the world, to have clear vision that sees the world differently, that loves the other for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of Jesus Christ. God bless you as you love the other in the name of Jesus. Amen.